Hey, Takeover Church, it's Pastor Matt McClure here, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We pray it blesses you, we pray it encourages you, we pray it sets you up for a huge win this week. And before you go, make sure you subscribe below, make sure you're liking the channel, make sure you're sharing this with your friends to get the word out, not only about church, but all the incredible life-changing things that God is doing here at Takeover Church. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Those were uh, meant to be extinguished by people in my profession. So, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, anyways, good morning, Takeover Church. How are we doing? Okay, first of all, earlier we said, one, keep the same energy. Two, that level of excitement does not match what God did in this room during worship this morning. So when I asked, how are you doing? He met us here in this place this morning. So how are you? Try to be wise and mindful of everything. And, um, I'm just so grateful for the team here at Takeover Church. Our yeah. serve crew, I'm talking people who don't collect a paycheck, who still through 12 weeks of quarantine either showed up at our house to serve or they cut off contact with other people so they can prioritize and make sure church can happen and report that on Saturdays at our house. I mean, our team is unreal. They get here early on Sundays, they set things up. We are so grateful for our takeover crew. Can you make some noise for them? Come on. They are absolutely the lifeblood of this place. I know that Zach likes to say, Matt and Poole are lifeblood of Takeover Church. No, it is everybody else who makes this place happen. From giving, to serving, to sewing, everything that you do. And just so you know, whenever you, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to say, whatever you go through a pandemic, I have no idea. For any event that you do when you're leading a church, one thing that is for sure is that some people are going to be, you know, cautious, rightfully so, hanging back, chilling at home, waiting for a little bit more of uh, the cloud to clear. I understand that. And so what happens in the middle is that we still need church to happen. Right. So if you have a heart to serve and you don't know anything about anything, we have an amazing team that is willing to teach you. We need somebody to help out CJ with sound. It's, it's not easy because I'm not going to, you know, say that he doesn't do a great job, you know. Uh, or that's not hard work, but he's a great engineer and can teach you, and our app is awesome. And there's lots of things that we need here still at yeah. church, so please, if you feel led, if you're feeling led, the Holy Spirit's tug on your heart to get involved, sign up at the Welcome Center right out front, but dude, we love you. I am pumped to be back in church this week. That is the world that so many of our brothers and sisters 
of different backgrounds, color, races, tribes, have lived in and experienced their entire lives. And so I would encourage you, while this is disconnected to last week's message and the week before that, Pastor Adrian started off this non-series series with a great message called Siren Song. And last week, he continued, uh, I forgot the title of my message, Talk is Cheap for last week. But I would encourage you, check those out. Watch the video. Check out the podcast. We are a church that's always going to be about it, not just talk about it, okay? That's who we are. That's what we do. Jesus didn't come to talk into your life. He came to take over your life, amen? That's so that's what this church stands for. Yeah. So this morning, we're going to continue our series one-on-one with a message I've called. Are you ready to take notes? Yeah, Where are my note takers at? Y'all on the way to heaven. I see you. They got there. Fast pass to heaven. So dumb, dumb jokes. All right. The title of my message this morning is An Appeal. And appeal. I got to put making message titles half sentences or the beginning of sentences. It sounds so confusing. Tell the message is an appeal. And this morning we're going to kick off coming out of the book of Romans. We've got two short verses to start with this morning. And if we get through more of it, awesome. But if not, it's the Lord had. So Romans 12, 1 through 2. We got the sky Bible up here. If you need it, we did. We, we switched up the lights for our, for our streaming and viewing and just all around pleasure. That looks way better. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Wow. We're going to start there. We're going to see what the Lord gives. Does that sound good? Yeah. Good. Fantastic. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. God, I just thank you. Your word says, but two or more gathered, there you are in the midst of us, God. I thank you that the word doesn't say where two or more white people are, two or more Democrats are, two or more Republicans are, two or more, God, just people across the board. You are not far from us. You did everything on the cross to reach us and to do this life with you. So, Father God, I just thank you. And I ask Holy Spirit right now, right now, because you can, because you're able, because you can do exceedingly above all we can ask, dream, or imagine, God. I ask, Holy Spirit, that the gaps between us this morning, you would begin to fill. Yes. You would begin to bridge. God, whether, yes, that's, a, whether that's a gap between uh, different people of different races and backgrounds and histories, God, if that's a gap between marriage, God, two people in a marriage, if that's a gap between relationships, if that's a gap between me and another person sitting next to me, in whatever the gap is, in whatever capacity, Father God, we just ask and we invite the Holy Spirit right now to fill in the gap and bridge us this morning. Bridge us together with you and with one another, God. We want to be the church this morning. We didn't come to play church. We came to be the church, God. So we're so grateful for everything you do. Move us, shake us, and change us, God. Mess me up this morning. Matt McClure isn't interested in remaining Matt McClure. I want to be like Jesus. And I think I'm in a church full of the same people yes. that declare the same. So we're going to declare the same. In Jesus' mighty name, we're resounding. Amen. Amen, Amen. church? Amen. Come on, make some noise for Jesus. Good love. And appeal. And appeal. We find ourselves in a world right now. In a season. 
said last week, my mind is absolutely blown. It's absolutely blown. I'm blown away by the pandemic. I'm blown away by the systematic racism. I'm blown away by everything that we are dealing with right now. So often, especially now that COVID-19 has rolled up on the scene, we're like, is it plagues and is it pandemics? Aren't worldwide viruses? Aren't those for an older time or a different time, a different time in the life of, of human beings? Aren't we beyond this? Don't we have medicine and science and all of these things? And, and then we look at the other pandemic that's plaguing our system and our society right now, and it has been since 19 or since 1619, when the first slave ships rolled up to Jamestown, Virginia, on this continent. And you can even go a little bit for, uh, further to the 1400s when Christopher Columbus and other people rolled up to this to this beautiful continent, this beautiful place of land, what was called the undiscovered world. You can go back so far, and you can just be absolutely amazed, and I don't mean amazed in a good way, amazed that for whatever reason, however, we as human beings, we thought it was okay, we thought it was well within our rights, we thought for some prideful, arrogant reason that's completely demonic, it comes from hell, it is not a part of the kingdom of God, there is nothing in racism that is found in Jesus, okay, and somehow, we thought we could take from we can push out, and we can own other humans. And it was since that day, and obviously I know far before that, Jesus' day, that Rome did all these other things, that people were slaves back then. I'm speaking specifically to America at the moment. It's been since then that this continent has had a systematic shift that happened where suddenly pigmentation of skin Deciding whether you have value or worth to another person of a different pigmentation skin. In the world that we live in right now, I am completely amazed. I am dumbfounded. I am shocked. And this is absolutely unreal that we live in a time and place where racism still plays every part of our society. Racism isn't just for the gas stations that's in the hood. Racism isn't just found in corporate buildings. Racism isn't just found in Louisville, Kentucky. It's found in Grand Rapids. Racism, being against, having a bigotry, having a prejudice against our fellow man, has been intrinsic within the human being since Adam and Eve bit the apple because racism at its core is pride. And pride is an example that I know better than God. This morning, we came with a message called an appeal because, much like Paul is appealing to Romans in this moment, I want to appeal to this church, I want to appeal to the church at home, I want to appeal to the church at large, I want to appeal to anybody's ears who are willing to listen to the word of God this morning or whenever they hear this podcast. So many of us. We want change. We want real, life-giving, lasting change. We want systematic change. We want personal change. We want government change. We want police reform. We want all of these areas of change. But friends, can I declare to you this morning, can I make an appeal to you this morning? 
that before change can ever come, empathy has to take place. Empathy has to take place. We have to become an empathetic church. We have to be willing to be empathetic Christians. No matter your skin tone or your background or your tribe or your creed or your country, wherever you come from. We have to first and foremost become a willing participant in the empathy game. Because if empathy is not there, change can never come. Because empathy means I'm going to put myself in the middle of your story. I'm going to put myself in the middle of your life. I'm going to put myself in the middle of what you have experienced in this world. I'm going to sit. I'm going to listen. I'm going to stand in the middle of the highway that is your life. And as people take shots at you, as people misunderstand you, and people have bigotry and prejudice towards you, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen. I'm going to defend and I'm going to speak up and I'm going to love you right where you are. Empathy has to come before change can ever take place. I cannot change somebody that I'm not willing to have a relationship with. Yeah. I can't change the system if I'm not willing to sit down and hear stories of life experiences that are so far from what mine could ever be as a almost 30-year-old privileged white man. we got to have empathy. It's easy to get numb to this whole thing. I feel like America has been numb for a long time. The fact that so many people are still so disillusioned with the idea that racism still exists. But man, of Jesus, he came, our word says that he came. John 3.16, we all know this, but he could reconcile the entire world back onto himself. There is no caste system in Christ. There is no levels to this. There is no whites in first, blacks in last. No, we are equal across the board. If we're ever going to have empathy, if we're ever going to see change, then we have to begin and recognize that while the blood of Jesus it can never change your outward It will blanket you. It will accept you. It will bring you in. It will enter into relationship with you. And it will begin to change you from the inside out. We're always going to be a church that addresses this. Preach about sex, Pastor. I will. I'm going to also preach about racism. Preach about lying. No lying. No lying going on in the United States, Pastor. Preach about that. Preach about politicians. Okay. Are we willing to confront our own prejudice and bigotry while we're at it? Yeah. Are we willing to look within ourselves and go, what area of my life has Jesus yet to take over because I haven't forfeited it? Yeah. Are we willing to go there? Yes. Because I believe that as we do, we are going to see life change happen. But that life change has to first and foremost start with us. Yeah. And one of the paths to that life change is understanding people who look different than us. Getting in their path, sitting in the highway that is their life, and allowing the shots to hit you as it hits them just so you can understand and you can reach and you can empathize. Are we with it this morning? Yeah. So here we are. We got Paul. If you don't know, Paul is a Jew. Here he is. He's writing a book to Rome. If you don't know, back in this day, it actually happened twice. One underneath Caesar, which is uh, B.C., before Christ, and there was another time after Caesar, which I forget his name because he lost his mother's Influential as Caesar, and they went up and shout it out, you know. Uh, teach that history class. But there's another guy who ruled and reigned after Caesar, so it was BC, and he declared that he kicked out 
Jews out of Rome, not once, but twice. And then when he finally let them back in, this is all while Jesus is taking life. This is history. This is factual. I'm not bending the Bible to a narrative. I'm telling you the construct in a time and place in which Paul and Jesus and all of this existed. And what happened here is that when Jews were in Rome, they weren't even allowed to have a temple. What they had to have was something that had a building or structure that didn't resemble a temple, of any kind of religious institute. And it had to be legally deemed an educational center so that they didn't get killed, enslaved, put in bondage and shackles, and forced to go and face down lions and tigers and bears. Four other men in a coliseum. So here is, here is one of the Jewish elite, the Apostle Paul. Before you ever met him, he was a Jewish uh, mercenary, basically. Hierarchy in, in, in the Jewish uh, community. They would send Paul to go and find people called the followers of the way at the time, Jesus people, Christians, you and me, and what he would do is he would do unthinkable and unfathomable things. There is, there is history that dates that people much like Paul, although we don't see this in his specific area, scholars, there's writings, there's all of this to back this up, that those who were commissioned by Jewish hierarchy to go and take out followers of the way, they didn't just kill them. They didn't just try to put him up on a cross like Jesus. They didn't just try to stone them, which, by the way, is either digging a hole and putting your head in it and then uh, putting you in it and carrying it to your head and tossing rocks at it, or they put a flat board on yourself while you're laying upside down until the rocks crush you to death. They didn't just do that. There was other terrible things and heinous acts that would take place because these Jewish officers, they wanted to let Christians know, Jesus followers know, followers of the way know. That's not going to fly here. You're not going to write that little Jesus fish on the floor and think you're going to get people to come. No way. Send out your wife. Send out your daughters. We are going to make sure that you understand from this day forward that Christ that we put on a cross, he is not worthy. He is not allowed here. So Paul, he comes from a, an occupation and a line of doing really terrible things thing, and yet he is still the person who, when Jesus met him, when he knocked him off his donkey, he encountered him, and Paul walked away from that experience knowing that Jesus is who he said he is, and that Paul was wrong the entire time for what he did. He got to repent of those heinous and vile and violent acts of injustice. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to form and shape what we know today as the church. To write three-fourths of the New Testament. Paul's amazing. But if he would have had that radical introduction to Jesus, he never would have changed. If he would have gotten the early church with Peter and John and Stephen and the boys, if he would have found them, we would have had this he was a founded community with other believers. We wouldn't have this. He wouldn't have stayed on the straight and narrow. There's so much that is richer in Paul's story than we know. The Bible is better than we know it to be. It's richer, it's deeper than we know it to be. And I'm telling you, man, when you begin to look at the world at the time and the, and the things that were going on around it, it just emphasizes the insanity that was taking place when we read scripture and go, this is so much more powerful than we think it is. Yeah. Because we are in Grand Rapids.
a lot of us have been given so much, a lot of us have been oppressed in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, the word of God, the promise of God, his word for your life, his call for your life, it's still greater. Because our reality, compared to when this was written and when it happened and what we declared,
gentle girl, love you. But Paul says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Paul is saying, he's declaring to the church. That's why it's important right now. He's like, all of it. All of it. You've got to lay it down. You've got to lay this down. No, no, no. You're in wrong. I know you want to reject my letters because I'm a Jew. I get it. But I'm a Christian before I'm from a nation. I'm a Christian before I'm American. I'm a Christian before I'm British. I'm a Christian, Jenny, before I'm Australian. I'm a Christian. Paul's saying, you've got to lay this down. And we're going to do, and we're going to be everything that God's called us to be. We cannot be a happily living sacrifice. We cannot be a partial living sacrifice. We have got to present ourselves a living sacrifice. This is paramount to our Christian journey, to our life, and to our work within this world and the Holy Spirit's work within us. We have got to present ourselves a living sacrifice. And I know, I know it's hard. Because no one, no one is more angry up on that altar of God than me when life change has to take place. No one is more stiff-necked than me up on that altar of God when life change needs to take place. No, I'm mad, and I'm a pastor, and you can't tell me nothing. You just don't, you didn't understand. What I said was right. You didn't understand. No, what you said was wrong, and you're an idiot, and you need to put yourself back up on that altar and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you right now that what everybody else is saying about you, bro, is the truth. I understand that being a living sacrifice is incredibly difficult. It's so incredibly hard. It's one of the hardest things about our life because it means that everything we learn, you could have got saved at 50, or you could have got saved at 10, or you could have got saved at 6, or whatever area you want to put down. The second you met Jesus, your life before that had to be reevaluated. There were things that you needed to bring with you, and then there's things that you had to leave behind. There are things that were going to inform your walk, and there's things that had to be dead for your walk to thrive. There are things in your life that when you get on the altar of God, and he says, we've got to remove this, then you've got to know it's only so he can renew this. Yes, that's good. Oh, come on, somebody. When God says, we've got to remove this, it's only so that he can renew this. Yes. I came to church to declare this morning and to appeal to you to a life-giving, rattled-together, bone-shaking, sinew-shaving, freaking church this morning. We said freaking three, four times yeah. on the stage this morning. Yeah. What do you do? But I came to declare this morning that whenever God subtracts from your life, he's actually added to your life. Yes. Whenever God subtracts to your life, he's actually adding to yes. your life. There is no division within God. Whenever he decides to remove something, it's only so he can heal something. Because yes. this is the problem with being a living sacrifice, isn't it? The altar is real uncomfortable for a son and daughter of the Most High God who has decided to take their sonship and their daughtership and live off the altar. And live off the altar. Because right now, if you're a son and you're a daughter of the Most High God, but you're living not as a living sacrifice, not living down how you see women, not laying down how you see sex, not laying down how you see black and brown people, not laying down how you see this country, not laying down how you see your father after what he did to you, not laying down all of these things. When we live down here, and we're unwilling
willing to let the Lord touch those sensitive areas. This is when we begin to mistake enoughness for peace. Up here, this is where peace abides. On the altar of God is the safest place you will ever find yourself. When God goes in to operate, it's only so that he can mend. When God goes in to operate, it's only so that he can heal. When God goes in to remove, it's only so that he can renew. But when we live down here, he cannot be at work in your life to the degree in which he wants to be. And to the degree in which you want him to be. Because I get it. I get it. Right here. Being on the altar, I'm on the operating table, living this life out with Jesus. Oh man, oh man, you're so good, you're so good, Father. I love you. I'm so grateful that you accept with all my stealing, with all my lying, with all of my cheating, all of my old previous selves. God, I'm so grateful that you have just rescued and arrested this man. Thank you so much for going to the cross for me and making a way for me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I love you, Mary, my son. But hey, there's some things that got to change. Yeah, yeah, Mom, what are you? What are you, God? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you got, you got to re-examine Why? Why can't people just get there? There's differences between us. There's differences. It's just 
is what it is. All lives matter. Come on, what's going on? God, shake your church. Make your church go and radiate. And just make a soundboard that says, all lives matter. We all need to get this across the board, that all lives matter. Yeah. Yeah, all lives do matter. But not all lives are in the Constitution of the United States of America. So who cares about that? Well, that's because when I was a kid, my dad got into a run-in with this Physical 
physical education is always to find out what you're capable of in there so that your, your coach or your gym teacher, they can know how many push-ups make you do, and sets make you do, where you're at, and find out this way. But one of the litmus tests of Christianity to find out where you are, not just in sanctification, but in healing, not just in behavior modification, but in soul transformation. One of the ways to figure this out and look at it and go, this is where I'm at, and this is what needs to change, is you can look and you can go, in this area, am I conformed in my thoughts and in my actions to the ways and the patterns of this world, or are my thoughts and my actions now transformed by God? Man, you gotta break that down for them and understand what I'm saying. You get with yourself, you get with the Holy Spirit, and you sit there, or maybe you're in a marriage, or maybe you're in a relationship, or you maybe gone and pushed boundaries too far, or maybe you've been out doing this, that, and the other thing, and you go, Alright, Holy Spirit. Do my view, do my views of what you made sex to be, the line of the say it is, or what the culture says it is. Right. God, this, this my view of someone who looks different than me, does it line up with what you say it is, or does it line up with what my country says it is? Are you the great equalizer of all people? sisters in my country are three-fifths of man. God, do I see me the way you see me? Do I see me the way you see me? Or do I see myself the way the world sees myself? Of someone who's unworthy, of someone who has too much red in their leg, or someone who's done too many bad things to ever do anything good, as someone who's undeserving of a good marriage, let alone a godly marriage, as someone who's undeserving of being a messenger of Christ, do I see myself this morning, am I worthy of being restored by you? Which I think, oftentimes, this altar right here is going to reveal a lot to you about yourself that you never even considered. This is an appeal this morning that you and I as Jesus followers, we would present ourselves a living sacrifice. The problem with the living sacrifice is that it can always climb back down off the altar. This thing is about obedience. This thing is about deciding whether God's ways are truly above your ways or not. Whether his ways are different than what our world is or not. This is about making that decision and that predecision and that predecision to the predecision to the decision that I'm going to go with God and his ways over Matt and my ways. I'm going to go with God and his ways over the world's ways. Because on this altar, There's an altar of being a living sacrifice. God cannot begrudgingly change you. You have to be a willing participant. Friends, when God gave 
free will. He honors his word. When God gives you healing through Jesus on the cross, he honors his word. When God says there's only one way to the Father, that's through the Son. So any who shall believe, they believe in their heart and confess with their lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they be saved. He honors his word. Well, I just want God to do this for me. God's not going to do it for you. He cannot force you to be on that altar. People forcing themselves on us is the entire problem. Some of us, the reason we do sex the way we do is because someone forced themselves upon us. Some of us, the reason we view different races the way that we do is because back in the day, people forced themselves upon other people. God says, no, 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 no. I have my way. And when you begin to present yourself a living sacrifice, you will not only find out what's good, you will find out what's acceptable worship to me. But you have got free will. I've got God's will for my life, and you've got free will for your life. One is found on the altar, and one is found in numbness outside of it. This is where it starts. This is where we begin to change. This is where we begin to take inventory of everything on the inside of us, and we begin to decide, have I been conformed, or am I going to be transformed? Where am I at in these things? And every so often, it's probably good to go back and check. Because I want us to be a church that's going to run this race for the long haul. And friends, can I encourage you with this this morning? We started a little bit high, so we're going a little bit over. Chill. Can I encourage you with this this morning? That right now in our world, in the midst of COVID-19, coronavirus, pandemic, coronamania, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, and in the middle of the world in which any of us have lived, where racism and prejudice and bigotry of all kinds have plagued our society. Right now, we are in the unique place of being made for such a time as this. And if we were made for such a time as this, that means you can handle this. That means there's more on the inside of you right now than is on the outside coming against you. Come on, somebody. And when I say that as well, know that on the outside of you, there is a world that is scared, that is broken, that is dying, that is worried, and what they need is for us to be willing, living sacrifices. Because whatever is holding us back on the inside is ultimately keeping us from them on the outside. There are things on the inside of us that if we do not surrender to the Lord and lay down at his feet, it's always going to keep me from my brother and sister of color. There's things on the inside of me that if I don't surrender this and lay this down and get healed from it, it's always going to keep me away from Adrienne. If there are things on the inside of me that's always going to keep me away from all of these different things, God wants to move freely in me in any direction in which he chooses. He says he is a living water, a wellspring of life that cannot be contained. He's only stunted from that river, that spring flowing and moving forward by what we choose to keep up in our hearts. The prejudice, the hate, the 
wrongs that were done towards us, how we view this world, how we view our life, how we view ourselves, are all areas that are going to keep God from moving in our lives. How I view myself has done far more harm to my marriage with Adrian than how I view Adrian. starts with being a living sacrifice. Truth of the gospel this morning is that in that we want God to do it all for us, but really the only thing he's asking us is to lay back on the altar and trust him. Side of it when you let down 
these things your mother said to you growing up. Imagine how your marriage will be when you lay down all of your sexual history and you actually forgive yourself. Would you let God give you good? Well, imagine what you'll accomplish when you forgive your parents and your tutors and your teachers and people who failed you growing up, who shamed you and labeled you and told you that you would never amount to anything. Imagine what you will accomplish when you lay them down, you forgive them by name, and you let God begin to heal you on the inside, and he will begin to speak truth to your spirit that you are an overcomer, that you are a giant killer, that you are a visionary, and most importantly, you are called by God. Friends, I just want to make an appeal to us this morning. Though the altar of God may be uncomfortable, and though it may be hard to roll and crawl and fall back on this place every single day, day in and day out, you will have days where you will exist most of it off of those, outside of it, because you're human and you're going through things. But it's in this place on the altar of God that your security is found that your future is found, that reconciliation is found, that everything God made you to be, He made you to be free, it's found here. He made you to be pure, it's found here. He made you to be a bridge builder, not a barrier builder, it's found here. He made you to be someone to go to the masses and create disciples of all nations. It's found here. Calls you to a godly marriage that's found here. He calls you to a life free of broken bones and broken brains that's found here. He calls you to a life that's oppression for you and depression for you. It's found here. And as we just keep showing up, and we let his word have the final say. We let his spirit comfort us because he knows how to comfort us better than anybody. There's no conversation with God where you'll stop and go, that's actually not what I need right now. No, he always knows what you need right now. I don't need to hear that right now. No, yes, you do. I don't need you to tell me to go there right now. Yes, you do. Because he made you. And he knows you. And he knows where you're going to get the most out of this life and where he's going to get the most out of your life. It's found at his altar. So this morning, I just want to invite everybody to stand to their feet. I know we started late. I know restaurants are only better up. I know we have afternoons and things to get to. But right now in this space, Spirit, this entire service has been preparing an altar in our hearts right now before the Lord, and He has been making a space and a place that is safe, that is secure, and that is ready to receive everything that you have to lay down. And so, as we go back into the song of worship for a moment, just meet Him there, meet Him at the altar, lay down, sit back. 
Listen to him breathe. Listen to him speak. Listen to his, his calming, peaceful presence declare over you that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he has a plan for you. This world right now, though they may not know it, though they may not agree with it, and though they may tweet and share very loudly against it, they need you up on this altar. There are people in your world that need you to stay on the altar because when God begins to move through you, he can move towards them. So I want to encourage us right now. Go into worship. Let's lift our hands, let's bow our heads, let's sing it loud, let's sing it quiet. However, it is how you meet with God in this moment, just meet with God. You've got to forgive, forgive. You've got to repent, repent. You've got to do something else. Do it. Whatever God declares is best for you on the altar to renew you. Let's see Him rule and reign today. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. I'm just going to pray as the girls. Joshua begins to lift up worship and sing over us this morning. Father God, I just thank you right now that we are leaning in, in this moment. God, we are leaning in right now, God, and we are adjusting. God, we are taking on a posture of a living sacrifice. We're climbing back up on that altar in every area of our lives. God, right now, we're not worried about finding your will for our life. We know your will for our life will be made known to us on the altar. We're not worried about direction for our life. We know the direction for our life will be bound up on the altar. God, right now, I just declare over somebody in this room, at least three of us, God, I declare over three people in this room right now that God's direction for your life is actually found in forgiving of your past. There's people within us right now that we have just got to begin forgiving if we're ever going to move forward in certain lives. It may be scary. It may be hard. And you may not want to do it. They may not deserve it. But we didn't either. And God's in a way for us. So forgive right now. God, whatever it is, we're going to find it right here. We're going to find it right here. Come and move on the Spirit. Do what only you can do in this place, Father God. We're at the altar. We are waiting. We are ready. And we will present ourselves to you as many times as it takes to look like you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, just lean in. 